Second half, Maxi looking for more. He's got it! Daniel House will up and under on the lob and then flies in with the emphatic one hand jam. Niang looking for more from outside. Bang, bang, George Niang! Joel, the process What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the PickSwap Podcast. I'm here with my guy, Tweets by Zoe, today. You know him from the Broad and Forever Podcast, as well as the Corner 3 newsletter from the Rice Ricky Sanchez. Been a longtime fan, excited to get talking. So, Zoe, how are we doing today? Going good, man. Thank you again for, for having me. We appreciate it. Um, I know this has been a busy, busy week for everybody. We are, what, uh, less than 72 hours out from another another spin at it uh in this in this playoff this playoff world so should be should be a good one yeah absolutely i mean uh most wins since the 01 season we got the nba's leading scorer in joel and the nba's leading passer in james harden it's been a weird kind of vibe just surrounding this team i i understand the skepticism we've all been there we've seen how things go but yeah. so to start off with how are you just feeling about the sixers team right now and kind of your outlook heading into the playoffs um you know it's changed from the one and four start. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I genuinely thought that Doc Rivers wouldn't survive um, the first month of the season. Um, now, you know, we get into, I would say, post all-star break, um, you know, and they go on that, that really big run and then they, they stream together those eight and nine and, 10 in a row um, win streaks and you start to see quickly um, that they figured out how to play together and more specifically Harden and B figured out how to play together. Right. So mm-hmm. um, my outlook has changed from <laughs> one and four impossible playing to um, I, I genuinely believe they could beat the Celtics in the second round of the playoffs. Um, I'm not ready to pick them to beat the Bucs. The Bucs are, for my for my submission, I feel like the Bucs are a better team than the Celtics. They're really, really, really tough to beat. Um, and that, that would be a really, really tough series. But I do think the Sixers will wind up playing the Celtics in the second round and wind up beating them. Yeah, I, I love that. And I'm ready to dig deeper into that, too. And <laughs> Yeah, it has been a, a wild ride this year, the season and the trajectory that the Sixers have yeah. been on. I mean, such a cold start, and yeah, it's man. kind of been this way across the NBA. Like, it almost yes. feels like it's like a an 82-game preseason at this point. It's been a it's wild been... year. It's been a yeah. wild year across the board. You're right, man. I feel like mm-hmm. um, I, I think that – so they just, you know, they just, they just signed on to another CBA. I think that gives them, like, another eight years. So we're not going to see a shortened season for at least another 10 years or so, but – I think they're going. They're going to go that route, especially with the with the play in, with the play in one, with the play in, and two, with the midseason tournament. I think that a shortened season is going to make so much more sense for them in mm-hmm. the coming years. Um, so I would imagine that, like, if it's not on the table now, that in the next four or five years it will be. Um, yeah. It's a long season. 
It's a really long season, man. As we've seen, we the Sixers themselves have had if what feels like four different seasons in one. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I would love for that to be the case for them to swing to a shortened season. I think it would be better for the game for each game to matter yeah. more and for guys be into it. The the load management era, which we are firmly in right now, has really taken control of things. And I mean, even looking at this year, the top three MVP candidates, none of them yeah. playing seventy games, and that's something unheard of. And games have been such a knock, especially yeah. against Joel Embiid when looking at it. And Joel, obviously, we've seen the odds shift completely. It yeah. looks like he is in the driver's seat, especially as these votes start to leak out. Are you officially kind of accepting that he's going to win MVP, or is there a part of you that is uh, still nervous about it? Um, this, this, I hope this, not, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but I feel like <laughs> the Zach Lowe vote is what officially put me over the top. I felt yeah. like Zach Lowe that has a scribe of people who follow him, like, and I feel like if his world believes that Embiid is the MVP, then that pretty much sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. No, um, I did think that there was what four weeks ago when they when when him and Harden were missing a couple of games, and you know they they had that not so good West Coast trip. I was like, this is it. Like they're they're probably. I was like, they're they're not. He's not gonna win it. Like he may never win it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it was some skill, some conventional wisdom. You know, Jokic missed what I think 15 games or so um this year and like specifically he missed almost the same exact stretch that Joe missed so like that was in our favor obviously Giannis had the wrist thing for some parts of the year so he missed a a bunch of games so I just think that like you just said man it it really was the combination of all three of those guys not playing an 82 game season that ironically wound up helping Joe out (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know they they them all three of them playing less than a 482 wind up working in Joe's favor. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and kind of a similar mindset for you. For me, it was when I started to see the ringer votes come in and mm-hmm. guys like Ryan Rosillo and yeah. uh, Bill Simmons, when they're yeah. cashing on the Embiid side, I was like, okay, this yeah. is happening. Yeah. And uh, I entered the season kind of of the mindset that I just didn't think it was ever going to happen. I thought last year was the peak opportunity for Joel to win an MVP and it didn't happen we saw it swing to Jokic I'm very happy to be wrong about that and especially as much as Joel I also hate how much it's become like uncool to care about it it's like like you should want to win it these are important awards and there's the quote that came out today from Joel kind of harping on that that it's like a it validates his work and and things like that which is awesome that he absolutely deserves that it's cool to see that and I I personally like that he's kind of still competing for as much as like Jokic and Giannis Giannis not as much mainly Jokic is kind of brushing it off but do you agree with that you kind of think it's cool he's going for it and that he deserves it because well not because of that but you know what I mean it you know what I I'm glad that um that Rachel Nichols interview came out I'm happy that he said I know last year he said he doesn't care about it but like he said himself that was bs yeah Um, I think that um I think he was more political when he said that because he knew at that time he wasn't going to get it um but I'm happy to know that he it does matter to him. I think it matters to a lot of those guys. I think for sure. You know, you saw. I mean, John, John Morant was like playfully, half plainly retweeted um, his shock at the at, that people were choosing. You know, Evan Mobley for Defensive Player of the Year. You know, over over his guy, you know, uh, Triple J. But mm-hmm. I think that these awards matter to a lot of guys, man, and they should. Yeah, because to be perfectly honest. You're talking about 
the implications that something like that has Tra contract endorsement you know you're saying the locker room like this goes a long way in one how people talk about you and two how your career and your future set up you yeah know, like, people aren't walking around with mvp trophies <laughs> like outside of lebron and you know and the two that Giannis have and the two that Jokic has like in in this decade guys aren't walking around saying oh here's my dusty MVP trophy like they mean something it means that you were that year your peers and the media that covers the league thought that you were the best player in the NBA that season that's mm -hmm. an incredible incredible feat yeah yeah and yeah you're absolutely right and especially especially with the contract ties and things like that and just legacy like when you look back yeah. on a career these yeah. things matter those, those are the little bullet points next to your name on your your hall of fame resume or whatever and that was one of my biggest concerns with things is like if it was if Jokic were to win a third one this year and we kind of look back on things and at this era and like Jokic has three Giannis has two and Embiid has zero yeah. like to me that just would have felt wrong and I'm I'm yeah. happy that it is yeah. kind of trending towards that way. And it just is straight up and awesome to see Joel develop into the player that he is. I mean, he's yeah. a miles different player and person than he was when he came into the NBA, especially with the mid-range shot, that becoming so automatic and opening things yeah. up for the Sixers offense. Like, think yeah. about when he was fresh out of Kansas and he obviously had his two years that he was off and, and working through. Like, this was a guy who was known for his defense as a shot blocker and had kind of all the tools. He was by no means like an automatic jump shooter. And the way that he's weaponized himself to really just be a mid-range killer and just like a, a almost a Kevin Durant like in the in his approach to the game is incredible. Cool. So yeah, I've been I've cannot be more blown away with his growth this year. And the Sixers have absolutely followed his lead. So to lead into my my next point here is alongside him is James Harden and adjusting to that. And I, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we've seen Joel's back-to-back -back best uh, scoring seasons of his career alongside James Harden. So what have you seen from kind of the, the duo between Harden and Embiid and, and how the, how connected they are and how much Harden has helped to unlock him further? I think they look more comfortable. And one, I think they look more comfortable on the court without each other, which is incredibly important. Um, for the short periods of time that they are without each other on the court. I mean, in the playoffs, they're probably going to, you know, hopefully, I mean, I know we say this all the time, but I, I really hope that Doc staggers, you know, their minutes so they so we don't go back to an all-bench lineup and, you know, they leave the court up 10 and come back down six. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that, um, but yeah, for, for whatever, whatever reason, they are – they continue to look more comfortable on the court without each other and more importantly with each other. And I think the reason is um, they have a better understanding for each other's sweet spots, each other's games. You know, I feel like when they run that pick and roll, uh, the reason why it's so successful and why it's so unstoppable is because they have this knack for when the other person needs the ball or when the other person is going to get rid of the ball. Like Embiid knows exactly what to do when Harden has it at the top of the key. Harden knows exactly what kind of cut Embiid is going to make, where he likes the ball at. You know, if he gets it to him on the nail, he knows exactly what kind of spin he's going to take, and vice versa. Yeah, you know, I feel like Embiid knows when Harden's bringing the ball up. If he's got a one-on-one, -on -one, he's going to do his dribble and then ISO, and that's a pull-up three. Like I feel like that is what I've seen this year. And, you know, up until now, and also, you know, really, uh, knock on wood, like, they've just been healthier. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
yeah. you know, the the calf calf and uh, heel injuries aside, both of them have just been healthier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've had more time together. I think time is so important. I know last year um, we tempered expectations because uh, Harden did play, what, only like 15 regular season games or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, but it, it mattered, as we saw in the playoffs. They like, yeah. they, didn't, they just didn't have any chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know, they won they won that first round against the Raptors because they were just a more talented team. Um, but that second round against the Heat, obviously with – Joe being hurt aside, they still just didn't look like themselves. Harden definitely didn't look like himself. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to for him, man. I'm actually looking forward to him looking more like himself. He mm-hmm. does look in shape. He's got a little. He's, you know, he's got a little bit of bounce left. He's beating guys off the dribble. I, I think he's. I think he's gonna. He's gonna look like himself again. Yeah, I'm excited to see that as well. And it's cool they get to kind of fight their playoff demons together because they mm-hmm. both have some negative rep that kind of sticks to them uh, throughout their their time in the NBA, each kind of for different reasons coming up to failures. I do think Harden deserves more credit than he's given as far as oh, what, a, sure. what a buzz yeah. all the Western Conference was and to take that Golden State team to seven, things like that. I do think he goes underappreciated and, and gets written off as more of a playoff choker than he actually is. But yeah, I would love for him to fully prove that wrong this year. One of the things that I think is very cool about the Harden and B duo is when you look around the NBA at these best duos, the Jason Tatum and Jalen Browns, the uh, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. To me, it feels like the Embiid and Harden duo is the only one that like fully maximize each other, that they kind of bring out the best in each other. It's not as much like your turn, my turn or yeah. ISO ball or allowing the other guy to do the thing. It's like the two man game between them is something that I really can't even compare across the NBA because both of them have such a just immense gravity. And yeah. for me, that's one thing that has stood out about Harden since he got here. Even last year when he he's definitely been a significantly better version of himself this year. But even last year when he didn't quite yeah. have that pop, like we would see him getting doubled 30 feet from the basket. And that to me, like open eyes, like, OK, this is what spacing is supposed to look like on an NBA <laughs> basketball court. This is how sure. things are supposed to. So, sure. yeah, I am optimistic about uh, how he's going to look in these playoffs. I've been super impressed with his ability to blow by, get to the uh, yeah. rim this year for sure. So yeah, do you would you put how much responsibility? I guess would you put on Harden as far as like we know when things slow down, it, it is more difficult to play through a center. Do you think Harden's going to have to step up and in, into more of a primary role? Oh, oh, a thousand percent. So I, I think that um, in this present day NBA, it's incredibly tough to one to build around a center mm-hmm. and to play through one. Um, it's going to be paramount for Harden to kind of take the reins a bit, um, to be a maestro, really, you know, to make sure Tobias is where he needs to be, to make sure Joe is comfortable where he, you know, to where he's where he's getting the ball at. Um, and he's going to be really, really, really important in helping conduct um, Tyrese Maxey, right? Mm. Um, I would love to see Maxey have a really good first round series, like. The Nets have a bunch of long guys on the perimeter who, you know, who I'm sure are going to give him a bit of trouble. So he's going to have to use his speed. He's going to count his speed a lot to get past those guys. There are a lot of those guys are taller than him. Like, you know, what Cam Johnson is almost 6'10, and, you know, Mikhail is 6'8, 6'9. So, like, a lot of those guys are bigger, but he's also, um, he's also faster, you know, than most of them. So it's going to be, um, that's going to be on Harden to kind of continue to reiterate that and drive it into Maxi. So Harden for sure is going to have to be the quarterback 
of that offense. I think Joe is still Joe and, you know, a mixture of Joe and PJ Tucker are going to, you know, be the maestros on defense. But when it comes to offense and pace, it's going to definitely be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And uh, as a credit to Joel for him kind of expanding his game, uh, being more perimeter oriented and developing that area, it's definitely made things more possible, yeah. but there's just some hurdles of playing yeah. through a center in the playoffs. Uh, we, we've seen it in years past and, and he's done a, like I said, a great job to combat that and make it easier, but they still exist and, and stuff. You can't really get yeah. around. Uh, you did bring up Tyrese Maxey there and I did want to discuss him a little bit, a bit of a rocky year for Maxey. Mm-hmm. He's kind of seen his role move around a little bit. We saw the off the bench experiment for a little. It's kind of strange because he's had such a meteoric rise and has had such success like in the NBA that we kind of haven't seen him really struggle yet. I, th- I think he's dealt with it pretty well and it's been a, an interesting year for him. So what is kind of your thoughts on him throughout the regular season and what are you hoping to see from him come playoff time? Well, I think it's tough. Um, you know, here's a guy who, um, you know, was, wasn't really hurt that first year at Kentucky, you know, he was, um, and then they missed the tournament, you know, that was the COVID year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, this year, last year, he was relatively healthy. And then, you know, this year he's battled some injuries, you know, some nagging stuff. And I think he's, you know, really mentally just, he's just had to work his way through that. You know, he's had to work his way through um, being a being a six man again. You know, he's had to work his way through playing hurt. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's been some times where, you know, he said, look, like my foot doesn't feel right. And they were like, look, like you can't hurt it anymore. Or, you know, look like you're probably going to have some pain in it for a while. Like you had to learn how to play hurt. So I think he's I think he's had to learn all that stuff. He said learn how to play hurt. He said to learn how to swallow his pride a bit. I think he had to learn how to speak up. He had to learn how to speak up for himself. So I think um, it's been good that he's experienced these adversities because um, he's a guy who's going to be incredibly important. Um, yeah. In this round, definitely, but especially in the second round. And, again, assuming that the Celtics um, take care of business against the Hawks, like the Celtics um, have been a house of horrors for him. So yeah. I would love to see him exercise a few of those demons, you know, in a second-round series. Um, so I, I think that he will continue to write the ship. I think he's someone who, um, is absolutely a gamer. He gets it. He, he plays hard, goes out there with his head up and he goes full speed. So I'm not, I'm not worried about him from a motivation standpoint. I just, uh, again, just hope that, you know, guys like PJ and Harden are in his ear kind of directing him on to how to conduct himself in, in a playoff series. Yeah, and I liked your point about learning how to speak up for himself because there is the, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. And there are yeah. times where he becomes a little too much of an afterthought yeah. on this offense, which yeah. is a waste because of how dynamic he is yeah. and his skill set and, and what needs to be done. I've loved pairing him with James Harden, too, and having them alongside each other. I want to see yeah. more of that. That was my main issue with kind of the off-the-bench thing is we know Maxie is not the most superb playmaker and a guy who isn't known for running the offense. He's a guy who's there to get buckets. He's there to score, and he's very effective at that. So. Uh, having him on the court with Harden allows him to kind of take those responsibilities as a playmaker off his shoulder, allows him to just do his thing. And I've loved that. So I do hope to see that come playoff time and it will be interesting to watch how things are staggered to jump into the playoffs fully uh, Sixers facing off with the Nets first game on Saturday. Is there any concern for you with this opening round uh, series or do you think just smooth sailing right through? Um, I think that there will be, <laughs> I initially had a gentleman sweep. I don't mm-hmm. want to go back on that, but I could see it being a sweep. 
I, I think that I don't think there'll be any problems at all. Um, yeah. I want to say problems. Like, I, I know the Nets are going to fight. They're tough. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have a bunch of guys who can shoot the lights out, especially when they get hot. But I think that they are a team that's over – they are overmatched. Um, you know, Nick Claxton is a very formidable player, but um, Joe averages 33 and, like, seven against him. So, you know, he's going to get 33 and seven every night if we – assuming Joe sticks to his averages. Um, I think that they are – if you just go up and down the roster, like I said, they're, you know, they're very – they're fun on the wings, but outside of that, they don't really have anybody who – one who um, – who like you you take a step back and say we're gonna make sure we shut this guy down mm-hmm. outside of McCall, you know. Um, I think McCall is every bit of the guy there. Yeah. Um, so he is someone that I think initially you'll probably see to a guy like Tobias Harris on, who we didn't even who we didn't even talk about, dude. But I like I think this is you know Harden and Embiid aside. This is the most important playoffs of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, he's going into a summer where he's finally a tradable asset. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so like this is kind of it, buddy. Like if you you know it's time to show improve. Like the time to show improve was three years ago, but <laughs> seriously, the time to show improve is this summer. Is this yeah. playoff stretch? You know, um, but you know that aside, I do I think that you know again the Nets are going to fight. They're going to you know they're going to show put on a good show, but. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a gentleman sweep turned into just four straight. Yeah, I, I like that. And yeah, about Tobias, like it's been frustrating this year specifically because it felt like early on, like he got it. Like he was locked in, yeah. he was playing his role. He was yeah. catching and shooting quick decisions, playing good defense. And it just, as the year has gone on, feel like he's regressed from that version of Tobias Harris that we kind of were hoping for. Uh, I'm hoping this kind of time off, he can get back to just, you know, lock in, making the right decisions, playing his role, because that's not naturally who he is as a basketball player or who he wants to be. But it is admirable that he's trying to learn that, that he did. And I would love for him to get back to it. One strong playoff, uh, just playoff run, and all is forgiven in the Tobias Harris world and the Sixers world of Twitter and everything like that. So I would love for that to be the case. And, yeah, it is interesting, this Nets matchup. I don't think this is one that the Sixers match up particularly well. I mean, the Nets have a ton of just – big, versatile, switchable guys, the Dorian Finney-Smith, the yep. Cam Johnson's, and Mikhail Bridges. You can go down the list. Nick Claxton, I think, is awesome. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of his and think he is a guy who will be in the Defensive Player of the Year uh, conversation yeah. when you look forward a little bit. But I agree. I, I agree. I think there's just a such a talent gap and, and top-end talent that they can't compete. I mean, the Nets, they it's been a roller coaster for them even more than the Sixers, especially of late. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm locking in Sixers in five, but I am I do think this is kind of a good warm-up for the Sixers to be forced to match up with these kind of perimeter guys, especially when looking ahead as they have to face off with Boston. So while Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges are, are no Jason uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, a similar kind of construct, and I think they're going to be able to try things. So do you think that's something that could rev them up and prepare them for that? And talk to me a little about your uh, outlook for Boston. I do too. I I think that um, you know it's, it'll be interesting, man, because I would love to see them prove us right. You know, I think a lot of us are saying four or five games. I would love to see them just sweep them, just yeah. just sweep them. You know, take care of business, because you know, on to the next topic. Um, the Celtics are. They're no. <laughs> it's going to be a tough series, man. I, I think. Sure. I think I think the Sixers will win in seven games, but it will be a very tough series. Um, 
my outlook for them really is they just got to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, Robert Williams, you know, mm-hmm. if he stays healthy, like if they have to, con- if they have to depend on Al Horford for an extended length of time, that could be the only thing that trips them up. Like Horford's just not who he used to be for them. Um, <laughs> ironically, sometimes he looks more like the guy he was for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I I will say, yeah, I think health could trip them up. I know Marcus Smart has been dinged up at times this year. Um, you know, and Jalen Brown has been dinged up. You know, he's had the face thing. He's, he cut his thumb, I think they said, two weeks ago, you know, picking up glass from a vase that broke. Yeah. Like, we're, you know, we're stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, I, I don't see any way the Hawks give them a series. I think that's going to – I think that is going to be a sweep. Okay. Um I would be pleased with a six game series because that means that, that we get at least another another day to to relax and reset yeah. before the series starts. But I I, I had that series um, ending in four five tops as well, and then I think the winner of this series um, is going to be after seven games. And I think they probably whoever wins this series, whoever wins the Sixers Celtics series. Is probably going to be your NBA champion. Yeah, um, I, 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 I feel strongly about that. Wow, I like that take. And yeah, I've kind of said for the past couple months now, my my take has been whoever wins the East wins the NBA championship. Oh yeah, that, yep. Yeah, I think the top three teams are across the NBA are in the Eastern Conference, and that being yep. the Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers. So, yep. uh, yeah, it is a, it is not the timeline has not kind of led to an easy path for the Sixers, but you know. Yeah. If you know what though, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and and um, this is not hot takey. There is a world where I do feel like the Cavs give the Bucks more than they can chew. I think the Cavs are really good, man. I know yeah. that they may be. I listen. I think they uh, they may be a year away. This they might be a year early. Um, but man, I I just think that they're really good, man. They and they can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, I would want to face them more than the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but I'm telling you, I, I think that those guys, you know, they're not scared. I'll put it that way. I'm not ready to pick them to beat the Bucks. So I wouldn't do that. But they're tough, man. You know, Spider Mitchell, um, you know, there's Garland. Like, that's a tough, 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 tough backcourt. Evan Mobley is no slouch. Jared Allen. And, like, you go down the list and, like, is a bunch of guys who one they've played in the playoffs before, you know, like, and two they're you know guys who are out for respect. I think that um, similar. I think the Knicks are going to give them a series. Like, yeah. I, I don't think anybody like we just said it, but I don't. I think nobody in this Eastern Conference is going to get it easy. I think yeah. I think outside of a few teams who are going to have a pretty quick first round, I think once you get into the second round and the Eastern Conference Finals, whoever whoever progresses is, will have certainly earned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I agree on your Cavs point too. I'm excited to see what they cook up defensively because Me they too. can do some real interesting things with Me Giannis. Too. As far as yeah. packing a little wall when they get Jared Allen, Evan yep. Mobley, there's a lot of kind of – they have some good pieces to be able to work things in. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And it was no. I, I was going to say to 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 piggyback your point. There was a there was a point in the season where they were the best defensive team in the league, man. And mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, right before Jared Allen got hurt. But 
Um, I think that uh, you bring up a really good point. I'm interested to see, you know, like you said, they typically you can pack that wall almost like what um it almost worked, almost like what the Suns did against Giannis is you know, you build that wall and see and basically just dare them to do a lot of stuff and see, <laughs> see what yeah. happens. Um so I'm interested to see how they how they play. I know I know Evan Moby is is just as tall and maybe half as mobile. So we'll see. It's gonna it's gonna be a fun series though. Yeah, definitely. And we've touched on a lot of this here. For uh, as far as Sixers specific, we talked about the main guys with James Harden, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, uh, even mm-hmm. Tobias Harris in there. Are there any other guys that you would look at as kind of X factors for this team? I know PJ Tucker gets a lot of love in that conversation. DeAnthony Melton's been great this year. Which of these kind of guys do you think need to step up come uh, come playoff time? Which we are here. I'll give you two: um, Melton and PJ Tucker for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for similar for similar reasons the defense the intensity the toughness like this is a team last year where we all said just got again Embiid injury aside they got pumped in the playoffs the heat beat them up and they were the tougher team and their team they looked like they wanted more um and then you know this summer last summer they went out and got guys like Dan House and PJ and Anthony Mellon specifically to get tougher, to get more, uh, to get stronger on, you know, on the perimeter, you know, to get to get louder in the locker room. Um, so I look at those guys and say, you know, this is finally a time to show and prove. I think a guy like PJ Tucker is going to be incredibly important. I think his leadership, um, you know, his just his general basketball knowledge and kind of the mindset, man. I'm I, I'm so interested to see how they approach this series as opposed to when they didn't have a guy like PJ Tucker, you know? Yeah. Because this is what you got him for. Like this is it. He's an NBA champion. He's a guy that's played in so many tough basketball games, so many tough basketball playoff series. Like I'm I'm really interested to see what what rubs off in terms of what he says to them and, and if he's able to get them on the right mindset. Yeah, totally. And I mean PJ Tucker's been a guy handpicked by Joel Embiid at the press conference. Uh, That's the right. Yeah. Same bring me that guy, let me play with him while well, yeah. he's here. And as a credit to PJ, I know there's been stretches where he's been dragged through the mud and uh some real concerns from people, but he has stepped up in big games. I mean there was the Nuggets matchup, which he faced off with Jokic and, and changed that game by allowing Embiid to, to patrol the paint and do his thing. The Bucks uh, against the Celtics when he's hitting three threes, he had 16 yeah. rebounds against the Bucks. So P.J. Tucker, I do have faith in him to step up when it is the big moments, and that's why he's here. This was not a signing that was going to pay off in the regular season. He is here for the playoffs. That's why yeah. he's brought in, and now we're going to see it. And Yeah, I agree with DeAnthony Melton. I want to see the all chaos lineup too. I need to see the, the <laughs> yeah. Paul Reed, the Daniel House, the yeah. give me the Harden and athletes lineup, and and let's let's run. I like that as a nice kind of change of pace, especially when when there is the Embiid and Harden lineup. For all that, that I have given them praise and stuff, uh, athleticism and pace is definitely not words that I would connect to kind of those two as a duo. They're much more calculated and smooth in their yeah. approach. So I think it's cool to kind of have that as like a, a change up to throw at teams where we are running and gunning. You got Harden throwing full court passes. Uh, and Paul Reed, I mean, I can't say enough about how he's actually becoming more of a, a normal basketball player and shaking it out. Obviously a huge fan, uh, fr- friend of the Ricky too. So 
Do you think Paul Reed is locked in for the backup center chance? Is there any uh, chance that Doc Rivers throws as a curveball and mixes that up? Big friend, big friend of Ricky. Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I think that he's the guy, man. I know Doc loves Dimon, but I, I think it's got to be B-ball Paul. Yeah. Um, really? So I'm, I'm, I'm – this this I think this might be the most important point we make on this on this pod today, man. It is it's not like you're playing him for half the game. He's only playing for like six minutes. Yes. <laughs> only leave him for six minutes. And if you if your biggest issue is that he fouls a lot, then you're you're doing you're going about this all wrong. It's you have to play him. Yeah. If he fouls out, who cares, dude? Like it's only six minutes. You're not playing him for any more than that. You're just playing him. And so, so MB can get extended amount of rest. That's literally it. It doesn't have to be overthinking it to the point where you're like, oh, well, it's not the Paul Reed victory tour, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> please don't kill us like that. Like, yeah. it's only for short bursts of time so MB can rest and get and get back in. Like, I guarantee you, if you add up the real time minutes that he'll be on the court, it won't be more than 20 minutes. Like, it just can't be, oh, well, you know, we, we got to go somewhere else. It's got to be Dittman. And, like, shout out to – listen, Dwayne Dittman has been – he's done what he's been asked to do these past couple of games. You know, shout out to him. But it's got to be well Paul. And you can't it, – it just can't be he fouls too much. That's that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Who cares? We don't right. – if he fouls out, he fouls out. Yeah, I could not agree more. And that's been the biggest frustration for me. Like, obviously, you would prefer him not be fouling. But, dude – the best case scenario is he plays like 12 minutes. So if you want to use all six fouls yes. in 12 minutes, like yes. go for it, man. Be That's my exactly guest. Exactly right. That's exactly yeah. where our collective point is. If, <laughs> listen, you want to follow out in 12 minutes. That's great. 12 minutes that Embiid hasn't had to be, be on the court. Use up all six fouls. We'll see you tomorrow. Like we'll mm-hmm. see you in game two. Like who even cares, man? I'm I'm totally I'm totally on board with that. It should be be well, Paul. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I do hope that's the case. There is, I feel, a great deal of responsibility on Doc Rivers for this year, almost a little more than other years. I mean, A, because, you know, people are itching to get his neck and kind of obviously are. I will say, I think Doc Rivers has done a pretty good job this year. I've been pretty impressed with uh, what he's done as far as rotations, decision-making throughout this year. There's definitely a part of me that is nervous that's going to change come postseason when it matters most because I do think the Sixers team is constructed where they have all the pieces but it's not as fluent. Like there's going to be games where guys like yeah. George's Niang are necessary. And then there's going to be games where you straight up just cannot play George's Niang. So yeah. having a feel for that is something that is all on the shoulders of Doc Rivers. What's your confidence level as far as that goes? You know, I give him, I, so my relationship with Doc is pretty simple. Like I think that he is, mm, he's better than 99% of his fan base gives him credit for but I also feel like if they were to lose this in these playoffs in the second round, he'd be the first one out and yeah. they will be right rightfully. Um so I'm on I'm on the fence with him. I, I think that he certainly has he has a great staff. He has people that he trusts on there. Um I think that he realizes his legacy is on the line. Here's a guy who I'm sure is tired of hearing about you only won because you had two Hall of Famers, you know? Um, so I I don't want to say I trust him to do the right thing. I just want to say that I think that they, they have finally – Daryl Morey has finally built a team 
to where it'll it's almost impossible for him to mess it up. If that makes sense, you know. Like, yeah, he's he's had to remove all of, almost all the doubt. Like, all right, look, like I've given you a eight person rotation. You can't mess this up, right? So, like, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. But like, that's how I feel. I feel like Daryl Morey quietly to himself was like, all right, like, what can what can I do to make sure he has at least his a top eight guys mm-hmm. so that he can't in no way can he mess this up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so like that's where I feel like we are. Um I feel like actually I'll make it nine because I feel like a guy like Gillian McDaniels is Love gonna him. be incredibly important too. Um he's been shooting the ball well, especially these past three games. You know, regular season he shot the ball well. He's another long guy on the perimeter. He plays defense. You know, him and his brother are cut from that same mold. Um, so, you know, th- that's it. He's another, he's another guy who would be incredibly important. I actually think that he should get all the Niang minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just think he can do – very simple fact, I just think that if George Niang isn't making shots, you don't hear from George Niang. Yeah. He can't – he's too slow on defense. He can't do anything else on offense. So if he's not shooting or if he's not making shots, he's really no good to you that night. And I just feel like McDaniels – just offers more. Like if he's not making shots, he's still playing, you know, he's still playing great defense. He's still playing the passing lanes. He's still got a little bit of juice. We can get to the, to the, you know, get to the rack and possibly get to the foul line. But like, so that's, that's, that's my reason there. I think that hopefully, you know, Doc will have some leniency when it comes to that pairing, but yeah, he's another guy who I think will be really important. Yeah, totally agree. And Doc has shown more trust in McDaniels than I've expected yes, since he got here. He, he's given him a little leash, had given him some some real yeah. opportunities to prove it, and he has. So I've been very happy to see that, excited by it. And, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think especially matching up with the Celtics, I think there's going to be stretches where McDaniels has to take a turn guarding whether it's Tatum or yeah. Brown, possibly for an extended period of time. I think there's a real chance that yeah. he ends up as one of their best options guarding them. So yeah. uh, I, he's going to play a key role in this team. and. We can get ready to wrap things up, but I guess my final question is: So, do you think this could be the year? I do think this is the year, man. I I, <laughs> I feel like um, there's there's a bunch of reasons, but um, I think this is the year because they have no choice, right? Like, there's there's way more at stake than than you than it used to be. I feel like last year. There was a tiny bit, you know, there was like, all right, like this was a transition year, you know, Joe was hurt, so on and so forth. But this year, I don't think we'll line up. I don't think it'll line up any more perfect, to be honest. Like, it's going to be tough, but it's the playoffs, right? I, I feel yeah. like tough. also saying something's tough when it's the playoffs is kind of relative because the Lakers have a tough road. Like the Nuggets are the one seed and they have a tough road. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. Nuggets will, and and if the Nuggets make it to the finals, they will have beaten the Warriors and the Grizzlies. So like I, everybody's gonna have a tough road. So I, I think you just have to put that in perspective. It's not like one team is gonna make gonna have it easier than you think. Like you're gonna, we knew this at the beginning of the season though. What did we say? They're gonna have to go through one of or probably both Boston and Milwaukee. To make it to the finals. What do you think Milwaukee's saying? Milwaukee's saying, well, we gotta make it, we gotta get through Philly and Boston. Like they're saying the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. it's just that 
It's a reality, you know, and I think that these guys finally have the reality. I think this is the best Joel Embiid year that we've seen uh, and that we're going to see. I'm not saying he won't be an MVP candidate next year. He will. Um, but I think this is the best version of him that we have. I think that they'll find they're finally in the position to capitalize. Yeah, totally. And uh, we obviously don't have the full story behind the scenes, but it looks like the healthiest that he'll enter the playoffs yeah. than, that I've yeah, seen. So huge positive there. So I appreciate you for hopping on and talking with me. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, man. Uh, again, thank you for having me, man. Uh, big fan of you. So good luck. I know busy, busy week for you guys. So appreciate you uh, bringing me on to, to take in some of the joy. But um, yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at tweets underscore by underscore Zoe on Instagram at 2xdope, um, right to rickysanchez.com slash newsletter, uh, Broad and Forever podcast with my guy Seamus. Um, so all those good things, man. Hook, link me with me, hook me up. I'll be, you know, joining in the fray during this playoff run. Uh, you'll, so you'll, you'll hear or see a lot of me um, in the next six weeks, hopefully longer. Um, but yeah, man, again, thank you for having me, Sean. I really appreciate it. We're, it's, it's, this is the year, man. We'll, it's going to be hard, but we'll get it done. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And yeah, truly one of the best followers on, on Sixers Twitter, or Philadelphia oh, area you, right really now. So. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure to drop a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And I will talk with you next time, hopefully with some positive vibes about how the playoffs are going.